630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. At center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly, dishes off one time to the 30, 20, 10, 5, score! Touchdown, Eskimos! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, would you believe the Edmonton Oilers are nine games over 500? My goodness. They're ninth overall in the entire National Hockey League, and they have won three in a row as they get set to take on the Florida Panthers. Tomorrow night, we'll have the game for you on 6.30. Ched, face-off show at 6. They'll drop the puck at Rogers Place at 7.30. Two games remaining on the Oilers' six-game homestand. Then they will go on an extended run where they will play 12 of 16 games on the road. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. We have a lot to talk about. We'll start with some Oilers stuff throughout the first hour here. We'll catch up with Dion Lacey from the Edmonton Eskimos who is now pursuing a career with the Miami Dolphins and we have a really cool story here about an Edmonton area guy and how he got to work at one of the most famous sporting events in the world, one of the most famous venues, that is Grant Canton, who is now a groundsman at the All England Lawn Tennis Club. You better know it as Wimbledon. It's Inside Sports, the show that Donald Trump has called overrated and irrelevant. Yet we keep plugging away. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can also text us at 630-630. I'm going to jump in here and update the NHL scoreboard. The Stars have jumped out to a 3-1 lead on the Rangers. That's early in the second period. Columbus 2-1 over Carolina early in the second. Late in the first, the Sabres up 1-0 on Toronto. The Leafs are 8-1-1 in their last 10. Senators and Blues just getting underway. Five more games still to come, including the Panthers taking on the Flames and Nashville visits Vancouver. Don't forget, Nashville will be here on Friday. That'll be the final game of the Oilers' six-game homestand. Hey, if uh, you're a little hungry, this is cool. I saw this on Twitter today. You know the next act just off White Ave there, 83rd Ave, and uh, what would it be on Calgary Trail? They have a hat-trick burger in honor of Patrick Maroon. You know it's good times for a sporting team in your city when restaurants start naming burgers after them. It's always a good sign. Other news and notes to get to today. The New York Islanders have fired head coach Jack Capuano, 17-17-8 on the season. He was the fourth longest tenured coach in the NHL behind Claude Julien, Joel Quenville, and Dave Tippett. Capuano had been coach of the Islanders since 2010. Get this, with 227 wins, second winningest coach in Islanders history behind the great Al Arbor. Former Oiler Doug Waite takes over as interim coach of the Islanders. A note from baseball, Jose Bautista staying with the Jays. One-year deal for $18 million. 
Bautista, 36 years old. Injuries limited him to 116 games last year. Still was able to hit 22 homers and drive in 69 runs. And there are some options built into the contract, so it could be worth $60 million over three years. And uh, from the CFL, Kenny Stafford, a receiver I really liked with the Edmonton Eskimos, helped them win the Grey Cup in 2015. Spent last season with Montreal. He has signed on for a a two-year deal with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I kind of had my hopes up he might land back here in Edmonton, but the Blue Bombers get him. Okay, so a lot of positivity around the Oilers lately, and certainly one of the cool stories, Jujar Kara, second game of the season. He has uh, he's played 17 games in the NHL, but just his second game of the year with the Oilers, picks up his first NHL goal. It was set up by Mark Letestu, and I was speaking to both those guys today. Murphy fell down, Cassium with a chance, centers wide open, backdoor, score! Jujar Kara, his first NHL goal, and Edmonton extends to a 2-0 lead. Well, Mark, so you get the puck, you look up, there's Jujar Kara, he puts it in. When did it hit you? Oh, that was his first goal. It was kind of after the fact. Uh, you know, you're just celebrating because it's a big goal in the game, and kind of as we're leaving the pile to kind of go skate through the, you know, little flyby on the bench, I kind of shouted up, so that's your first, right? And then, a, you know, Don on me had to go get the puck, so... Uh, really happy for him uh, just for the time he's put in probably took longer than he would have liked uh, he, he you know, even mentioned on the bench that it would have been a bit of a wait for him so uh, to finally get that goal hopefully help him relax uh, settle in a little bit and realize that he belongs. What was the conversation like with your mom and dad after the game? Uh, it was good they were excited for me it was a quick one you know I was out to dinner so I just wanted to say hi bye and um yeah, they were excited. I'm sure we'll talk uh, more thoroughly tonight. You know, you went through what Jujar is going through about 10 years ago, trying to find your way in the league and become a regular. Do you, do you, do you say anything to him or do you just try to lead to example or what's now a relationship like for you with a, with, with a younger player who's, you know, who wasn't a high draft pick, like, like Connor, who's obviously going to be on the team, who's trying to fight for a spot? No, I think there's a, a lot of ways to relate to him, uh, whether there's, there's things he's going through or reads on the ice. Uh, maybe when he's going through a tough time, you know, I can kind of let him know what he needs to do to stay. Uh, because for for me, uh, he's important to my game. Uh, when he's at the top of his game, it allows myself and my line to play well. Uh, we're not one of those lines that one guy is going to carry us. So all three of us have to contribute. So, uh, you know, I constantly am talking to him, trying to help him through reads. Um, you know, maybe the systems are a little bit different from Bakersfield. So. Uh, but, but for him, he's been really good about asking questions. He, he wants to get better. He wants to learn. Uh, he wants to be a full-time NHL player. So he's trying to absorb as much as possible. And, you know, like I said, when, when he's at the top of his game, it's going to allow our line to be. And uh, so any questions he's got, I'm willing to answer. I think it's great. You know, they're, they're looking out for me, and they're talking to me a lot out there, and they're making it easy on me. And um, I'm just trying to be in the right places at the right time and support them as much as possible. Well, I think that's one of the many ways the Oilers have improved as a franchise over the last season and a half. And that is some valuable veterans who have experience. You know, and it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be high-end players. I mean, Milan Lucic comes in, and he's been a top-six forward most of his career, and he has that experience. But you also have some other guys like Mark Letestu or Matt Hendricks. Maybe they haven't been marquee players but they appreciate where they are. Even Zach Cassian, who's you know 26, so he's not really old, or he's turning 26 later this month, 
but you know a guy who obviously went through the as the substance abuse program and appreciates his spot in the NHL and I think there's better mentoring for the younger players than there was in years past when the Oilers had high draft picks and and, and still were, were stalling in terms of being able to develop as a team. So I think that's really important. And look, Jujar Kara, um, I, I mean, Matt Hendricks is a guy he's probably, if Kara stays around, that could be at the expense of Matt Hendricks no longer being a regular in the lineup. But McClellan says it's all, uh, head coach Todd McClellan says it's all working pretty well between the younger guys and the vets who, you know, there's some of their spots might be a risk. It's a hard thing uh, to blend the um, the youth in with the, the grizzly older veteran because he does feel uh, a sense of pressure, yet the quality of the person and the character of that individual as the grizzly vet um, is revealed and, and we have some guys that are doing a tremendous job uh, later in their career wel- welcoming young players and making them feel comfortable sharing uh, their experiences with them and um, you know, when we use the word leadership and captaincy uh, it goes beyond just uh, having the team ready to play it's, uh, it's treating people properly and, and fortunately for us we've got some uh, some guys that are doing that right now. All right, head coach Todd McClellan. You can get more, by the way, on Jujar Kara on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Look, Edmonton controlled that game last night. There is there is no doubt about it. The, the Arizona Coyotes, 29th in the NHL. Obviously, as Oilers fans, you're very familiar following a team in that spot in the standings or in that vicinity. And the Oilers did what they should be able to do to a team in that position most of the time. You're never going to beat 100% of the time. But, I mean, look, if the Oilers play the Coyotes 10 times, the Oilers should win 7 or 8 in regulation time. I really feel that way, that that's that's where they're at right now, that they're becoming a much more polished a much more focused team and a team that can go out there and control most of the game. And I think if not for Mike Smith and a couple spectacular saves, easily could have been a 5 or 6-1 game. Okay, it's 6-15. Interesting comment today from Todd McClellan on Jordan Eberle's scoring slump. We'll get to that. And the phone lines are open. We have Chris from Phoenix standing by at 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Cam Talbot continuing to carry the mail for the Edmonton Oilers. Solid last night, 20 saves, 21 shots. Oilers beat Arizona 3-1. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. 780-496-0063 is our phone number. By the way, I was uh, just uh, as a matter of interest, I checked the Oilers all-time coaching records. Todd McClellan up to 55 wins in uh, just over a season and a half. Two behind Tom Rennie, who had 57 wins in two full seasons. Rennie is sixth in Oilers history, so McClellan poised to uh, pass Tom Rennie if you keep track of that sort of stuff. Chris from Phoenix is on the line. Hello, Chris. Hey, it uh, feels good being, uh, what, nine games above 500 and, uh, you know, fight for top spot in the... uh division and we're in uh top 10 in the league amazing so uh, it, it feels good this is this is what all of us die hard long lifetime oiler fans who have lived through this 10 years of hell have looked forward to and thought that we were going to get to this point a lot sooner than we did and it, and it feels great and uh for all the people that uh got off the train got off the bus got off the wagon 
Uh, too bad. Sucks to be you. Uh, you know, for all of us longtime sufferers, this is this is just music to our ears. And want to want to thank uh, first and foremost uh, Bob Nicholson for uh, you know doing a great job hiring uh, Shirelli. No, hold on, Chris. Doing a gr- hold on. You sound like you're doing an acceptance speech. The Oilers actually haven't won anything <laughs> yet. <laughs> they haven't. They haven't read. But when you have when you have seen what we have seen for ten years. Like we have, we haven't been in this situation in this spot since not even in 2006. Because in 2005 and 2006, it took us probably past this point to actually get where we wanted to get. Uh, we we really didn't really have that great of a season until uh, until I believe we got Rollison. I can't remember exactly when we got Rollison, uh, but it wasn't at the start of the season because we we had the the Markkinen slash Conkinen slash uh, I think it was the other guy too, the other Morrison. Uh, Morrison was around, yeah. But it it goes to show you what happens when you you shelter your youngster. You can't, you cannot expect to have six rookies or six kids come up in in key roles and not shelter them and then expect them to succeed. Uh, One or two is is fine. Like McDavid is an exception. Well, high-end guys are different, right? Yeah. You know. But had we possibly insulated our uh, sheltered Hall and, and Everly and Nuge and Schultz, you know, maybe we would have been in a different situation. But, you, you know, now we have players that, you know, can take the brunt, can, can know what happens when you go through a slump. Like, you got the Luchiches, you got, um, you know, Cassie and Letestu, we've got Larson, you've got Secker, we've got guys in key positions that can pull, pull our young guys aside and say, look, you're going through a 17-game goalless drought. You know this is what you have to do. Where we didn't have that, so it's 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 great to see. And we're still it's still far from a finished product. We need uh, we need somebody to back up uh, Talbot. Uh, we we still need uh, some secondary scoring. We got to figure out what we're going to do. Uh, you know, on the right side. Uh, hopefully uh, that gets addressed. Because uh, I, I seriously hope that uh, that Shirelli makes a big push for uh, for this playoff run. And uh, you know, because we don't have. Like like Rashog, I, I listen to the to the radio station down the down the the dial, and Rashog always brings up, uh, you know, we've only got a limited amount of time with Connor McDavid's uh, entry level contract mm-hmm. before that kicks in, and we have to pay him some big bucks. So we have to take advantage of of uh, his uh, his cheap years while we can. So it's it, bottom line, I'm excited. I think all of Edmonton's excited. Would it be an awesome time to uh, to be up in uh, in the city of champions? And uh, and go through this amazing uh, season, and let's just keep it rolling and uh, start off by beating uh, Florida tomorrow, and then uh, sweeping Calgary. I think it's uh, we got one or two more games against Calgary. Just one more, buddy. Just just one more. That's the final one of the when season was, on Saturday in Calgary between the two teams. Yeah, they only play was, four times. When was the last time that we dominated Calgary in a season? That's all I got to say. That feels great. All right, uh, great show, and uh, that's it. Chris, good to talk to you. That's Chris from Phoenix, one of our regulars here on Inside Sports uh, 623. And, uh, and look, I joked that it was an acceptance speech. A lot of work to be done, certainly a lot of positives. The Oilers are on track to make the playoffs. Uh, I mean, there's, there's pretty much going to have to be some sort or maybe a couple disasters to derail them. But, but I, I think you do have to look at them getting through late January and into February. Because like I said, after Friday, it's 12 of 16 on the road. And even though they have been a good road team, you know, a couple of extended road trips in there. 
And plus, they're going to have their bye week, which means some teams could pass them in the standings just by virtue of the Oilers not playing. But I, I do think they're much better equipped to to avoid any sort of a prolonged slump that's going to keep them from getting any points for a long stretch of time. We have our buddy Elvis on the line as well. Hello, Elvis. Hey, love the show, bud. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I really like what Chris is saying. And, and I'll take it a little further. I'll just say this. It's, it is... January, the middle of January, we're in a position we haven't been in for years. And, yeah, a lot of stuff could happen and things could change and all that. But, like, for the Oiler fans that that, that hung through it and all that other stuff, enjoy it. We, we deserve it big time. Uh, you know, we had some glory years and just the way they've shown different things. And, I mean, just the whole organization as a whole. Like, to watch Wayne Gretzky with Wickenheiser the other night was amazing totally amazing and the way he deferred to Gordie Howe and and all that other stuff it just shows you there's class uh the Oilers are moving on there's right people in the right spots uh the, the, the coverage that they're getting from people like yourself uh all the different all the different sporting stations we're the talk again and it's fun we're the talk because we're good not because we're terrible and well, yeah the, you know, and seriously, like, I mean, the biggest thing for me, like, re- re- I have to be honest, the biggest biggest thing for me is I've, everybody's been sitting there just, like, say, waiting. Oh, they got to pass this test. Oh, they got to pass this test. Oh, they got to pass this test. Every team has to pass the test. Every team has to fight and battle. There's so much parity in this league because of the Bettman point. Um, yeah. You know, like, when you, when, you get, when you get six points behind, there's a chance you might not catch up for the rest of the year. Well, that, that's a that's a really good point, and and you know Rob and I talk about that too. I mean, the Oilers have fifty five points. the The best non playoff team has forty seven, so that's Nashville. So they're eight points behind the Oilers with three games in hand. I should add, but even if Nashville yeah. were to win all those games in hand, uh, they still wouldn't pass the Oilers, and they got a you know a whole bunch of other teams would have to pass Edmonton as well to, to totally knock them out. And, and you're right, and that and you know what. Elvis, you look back at the start of December. The, remember, the Oilers played five games in seven days, and they they went one, one, and three. So it was it was disappointing. They only got one win, and they had that Buffalo loss in there, uh, you know, where they blew a lead and lost in overtime. But how yeah. valuable was it now to sc- to scratch out those three points during that stretch where you were tired and playing a lot of games in a short span? Even even yeah. those even those overtime losses to Minnesota. Who's a, who's a good team? You know, you still you still got out of there and crept crept up in the standings, right? And and, and that that just leads back to coach saying you got to play for sixty minutes no matter whatever. I mean, to, to watch these guys sit there and battle and battle and come back and 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 uh, win games is, is is something that's just been crazy. And I, I've been a little bit worried about only one line producing, but last night was was magic. It was magic. He had three lines scoring. And, and I just sat there and I thought, you know, you, you fire up these guys that are that are a little bit on the schneid right now. And, like, Eberle, like, I mean, he's so close. He is so close. But you, you get these other guys, you, you get these guys going, and who knows what's going to happen, Reed, if, if there's a – if like, I, I, I truly think – I'm not trying to be a armchair general manager, but I think don't wait for the trading deadline. If you're going to help the Oilers, help them now. Surely get out there and pull a deal. Do something. Do, do, do it now. Get 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 ahead of the curve. Elvis, there's some guys to be got. Elvis, thanks for calling, buddy. We appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll bring in Steve here for about ninety seconds before the news break. Hey, Steve. Reed, how are you? 
Doing well. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Hey, listen, I missed you last night, and I know you were discussing Lucic, but I want to give you a unique metaphor in uh, 75 seconds or less. Okay. So for $6 bucks, basically what uh, Connor McDavid was quoted as saying earlier in the year is that having Lucic on the ice makes him be able to relax. He feels safer being able to do his job out there without having to look over his shoulder. And I'm paraphrasing. So what Lucic brings, if he's not scoring or assisting, is he gives every other player on the ice some room. He's like the orca in, a, in an ocean. Okay? okay? He swims by and everybody backs off. And that's worth $6 bucks. Reed. Fair enough? Well, it is It is to this team. And, and how often in the past years have people said they need a big body on the line? They need somebody who can intimidate. And and look, I, I, I think Lucic, he's probably not totally happy with his play. I'd like to see a little more offense. But I, I do think he is helping and he is contributing in ways that can't always be measured on the stat sheet. I, I, yeah, I really and, believe and, uh, that. I believe it. And I'll tell you, you should ask who thinks... Uh, who can give you a, a, a very first-hand uh, feedback on Lucic, ask Maroon. Do you think Maroon would be performing like he is this year without Lucic on the ice? Well, probably not. created a little competition down the left side, too, which is never a bad thing, absolutely. Steve, thanks for night. calling. That's Steve, 7804960063. Okay, we got a break for the news and weather. Uh, we got Jared Seinfeld coming up quickly after the news, and we'll bring in Drew Remender from Sportsnet as well. Inside Sports on Chad. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. We got Drew Remender coming up in about a minute here. But I want to quickly give a a second here to one of our regular callers. It is the man we have recently dubbed Jared Seinfeld. Jared, how's it going? What's on your mind? Good, Reed. I just want to make a quick comment on, you know, people saying that Ovechkin is the greatest uh, goal scorer of all time. And I just want to set up a scenario for you. If if people say that, um, you know, the goaltending equipment is so much bigger, the goalies are better, it's more defensive, and if he would have played in the 80s, he could have got 100 goals. But if you think back, he never played in a clutch and grab era. He never played in an era where there was shadowing or extreme like violence and brutal play in front of the net. So I think that at the end of the day, it would all kind of even out. And for a guy like Jagger, he's still kind of the mark point. He was around in 1990. And if he was in his 20s today, he'd still probably be dominating the NHL. So when people say the players are so much better, I think to a certain degree, yes. But if you watch a lot of defensemen in the NHL, like the bottom pairings on most teams, these guys are not very skilled. They're not the greatest players. They're just filling in shifts, filling in time. I think as a whole, maybe, the players are more polished to a slight degree. Sure. But I mean, Bobby Hall still had the hardest shot at 118.3 miles an hour, and nobody can touch that today. Uh, that's an interesting topic. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I think you can only compare guys to the competitors they played against. Greatest goal scorer I've ever seen is Mario Lemieux because he could do it any which way he wanted to do it. Thanks, Jared. Okay. All right, that's uh, Jared Seinfeld, 7804960063. Great transition into Drew Remender from Sportsnet, who I'm pleased to uh, welcome back to the show. Hello, Drew. Hello, Reed. How's it going, buddy? Not bad. How are you? Good. Well, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure how I was going to start this conversation with you, but Jared, loyal caller to the show, 
gave us a nice nice little uh, thing to jump in there. Mario Lemieux in my 42 years on the earth. So I didn't see Rocket Richard live. Uh, I, well, Gordie Howe was still playing when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I didn't see Bobby Orr. I didn't see uh, Bobby Hall. Mario Lemieux, to me, was the most dangerous goal scorer that, that I have seen play hockey. Um, not me. Wayne Gretzky was. And I, I think if the statistics bear, bear it out. I mean, the guy is, he's, he's the, I, w- I, had a, I had to do a celebrity dinner this year. Uh, well, I do it every year, but uh, Paul Coffey and Ray Bork were there. And they said the best player they had ever seen, best player they'd ever seen, was Wayne Gretzky. The most skilled player they'd ever seen was Mario Lemieux. Um, the best goal scorer, well, I, all I have to do is just look at the record books, and that tells me who the best goal scorer was, and it's Wayne. Um, yeah, Mario had those time, the, the time off, and he had, uh, he had to deal with the leukemia. Um, but still, Wayne's got all the records. When you look at what he's got... You, it's phenomenal, and I think it's really, well, it's really hard. I think it's impossible to compare um, eras against eras, it's and players against players from different eras. To say that um, Alexander Ovechkin is the best goal scorer of our time, um, and you go back and look at Yarmir Yager and Yager's time, and and Lemieux and Gretzky and. You and Bobby Orr, even and even you know Yari Curry or guys like that. You have to consider the times they played in. Yes, but you can't deny that players now are bigger, faster, stronger, and the game moves at a pace now that it never ever did before. Mm-hmm. Goalies are way better now than they ever were. One thing that you look at, and it's funny, because when I when I did that dinner with Paul and and Ray. They were showing highlights of Paul and Ray scoring goals. And Paul Coffey looks at me and goes, geez, goalies were a horse way back then. <laughs> you ask Kelly Rudy. You ask Kelly Rudy, Hockey Man Canada. Um, what's the difference now between goalies and now and goalies when you played? And he goes, they were terrible back then. And you watch it. They were, they were brutal as far as you know, the way that their technique. Now goaltenders, nobody perfects their position like goaltenders now. So there's a lot of factors that go in. Um, but you can't deny that Alexander Ovechkin is one special type of hockey player. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And then that's the fun about the debate. And, and there's there's really no wrong answer unless I say Bob Rouse was the greatest goal scorer of all time or something. But By the way, Bob Rouse may be one of the greatest guys of all time. Though. Yeah. He was an ex, ex-San Jose Shark and was one of the best guys. In, can I tell you a quick Bob Rouse story? Oh, absolutely. I don't know why I picked him, but this is great if you got right. a story. <laughs> so Bobby Rouse, famous. Or practical jokes. Okay. So we are, and we being San Jose, and we're in, um, we're, we're going into St. Louis. And uh, as we're driving into St. Louis, as you know, you come by the big football stadium, right? And uh, Andy Sutton and Jared Scaldi are are sitting right near us. And Bob goes, hey, guys, can you believe how big the hockey rink is? Because Andy and, and Bob and, and Jared have never been to St. Louis before. And he goes, can you believe how big the hockey rink is? And the guy, they go, that's the hockey rink? And he goes, yeah, it's the hockey rink. It's huge. It's the biggest hockey rink in the National Hockey League. And they're like, wow, you're kidding me. So no, and then we, he just leaves it, knowing exactly what's going to happen. Where we stayed, we stayed at the Westin, right, of course, near the actual hockey rink. And uh, the next day, morning skate, no Jared Scaldi, no and, uh, Andy Sutton. 
And they're waiting for him, waiting for him, waiting for him. Finally, they show up about 15 minutes before they're supposed to go on the on the ice. And everybody's going, where were you guys? He goes, and they started swearing at Bob Rose. Cause he sent us to the football stadium. Apparently, they spent like a half hour walking around the stadium trying to get in. They finally get to security and go, and the guy goes, can I help you too? And he goes, yeah, we're, we're with the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> security guy goes, who? the San Jose Sharks. We're, we have a morning skater. We're playing the St. Louis Blues tonight. The guy goes, you're in the wrong building, Bob. You guys got to go this way and get a cab and go to the rink. Bob Rose used to do stuff like that all the time. He convinced a guy in the San Jose Sharks that they actually had moved the White House and painted it blue. <laughs> they moved it where? Bobby's one of my favorite people of all time. Well, i got to get him on the show now. But what, I, he's, he's the best. The best. Uh, so where did where did he tell them they moved the White House to? Just like moved to it an, down the block? No, just, just down, down the, the street. <laughs> yeah, down the street and painted it blue. He must have been really convincing He's then. The best poker face I've ever seen. Best ever. Yeah. Uh, Drew, now did he ever try any of that with the coaches, or was it all to other players? It was all other players. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. he knew the line. Well, yeah, because Daryl Sutter was coaching that team at that time. <laughs> So, so you didn't try to get away with too much? No, that, you didn't do anything with Big D. Never. Uh, was that the year you guys set the loss record, or was that after that? That would have been no, after that. No, that was that. after that. No, yeah. the loss record was George Kingston, Bob Murdoch, and uh, yours truly. And uh, that's when we set the loss record. That was 1990. That was our second year, 1991-92. We had uh, we lost 71 games that year. We played 84 because there were two neutral site games. So we went 11-71-2. We lost 17 in a row. Uh, where we had gone, I mean, the losing streaks were two nines, a 10, uh, a 13, a 17, a, a 9. It was horrendous. It was, uh, but that stretch where we lost 17 in a row, we went, that stretch, we went 1, 30, and 1. Try that on for size and see if you, you, uh, continue coaching in your life. Wow. Actually, I, I continued three more years after that, so I shouldn't say anything, but, um, it was, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting year. Yeah, for sure. Drew Remenda joining us inside Sports on 630 Chet. Okay, we got the Oilers and the Florida Panthers tomorrow, and we don't know how the Panthers are going to feel going into that game because they play Calgary tonight, tonight. face-off coming up in about 20 minutes or so. You know, you know I want to ask you about Milan Lucic because he's been a uh, hot topic of discussion, even though the Oilers have only you know, lost uh, about five times in regulation time since December 1st. He's been playing with Kajula and Shlepyshev the last few games. Uh, doesn't have a goal in, what is he up to now? Checking my notes from yesterday. He doesn't have a goal in his last 11. I, I, I think, fine, his offensive numbers, you can argue they're they're slightly below what you were hoping. I, I still think he has affected the, the team. And I still think he's affected the game. And it's funny, before you came on in the last half hour, a caller came in and said, Milan Lucic is like an orca. When he swims through an area, all the other fish calm down. <laughs> how, do, how do you assess his contribution to the team so far, Drew? I don't know yet. I, I think, um, you know, we don't know what goes on in the room. Uh, so we have to trust the people that we talk to. And you and I get to talk to every day. And I talk to the coaches like you do. And Todd McClellan and the coaching staff, um, they swear by the guy and his presence in the room. He has, and I, I talked about a little bit last night on the air, he has the cachet in that dressing room because he has won a championship. He has been to the finals twice. He is a guy that does have that presence. He is he's foreboding when he is out there. He is a guy that um, can cruise up and down and, like you say, be an orca and, and push people to the other side. I am concerned that 
Teddy has been dropped down to the third line. I'm concerned that what he, that was that's what he, what does it do to his psyche? Um, because he hasn't had a penalty minute in 19 games, which I think if Milan Lucic is 100% engaged, 100% fired up, 100% passionate, um, he would have some penalty minutes. On the other hand, maybe it's just because he doesn't have to have penalty minutes because now, as you say, other fish are swimming out of the way. Um, I think he does have uh, a calming effect on the team. I think he makes everybody a little bit bigger, a little bit braver. And, oh, my God, are Dallas kicking the crap out of the New York Rangers. Holy mackerel. Yeah, it's 7-3, buddy. Well, I mean, Henrik Lundqvist, he's having seven goals now. So it's, it's ridiculous. So seven goals, 21 shots. He let in five on 22. So he's let in 12 goals on 43 shots in his last two games. Anyway, um, that's not very good. No. Uh, but we go back to Lucic. When, when, when you look at Lucic, I think he just he, he makes everybody play a little bit better. I think Milan's going to pull a Patrick Maroon uh, over the summer and realize he's not out of shape, don't get me wrong. He's just a big, big man. I think he's going to um, improve his speed because he's smart enough to realize that the game is getting real quick. And if I want to keep up and want to be around and want to be an impact guy, which he undoubtedly does, um, he will change his body chemistry or body makeup a little bit. He'll be, he'll, he'll be a little lighter, a little faster. Um, and I think that will make him more comfortable uh, with the Edmonton Oilers. And I think, I, you know, I think you, and, you and Bob talked about it yesterday on Bob's show, talking about Andre Secker. I think guys that come into a, a new situation, especially when they sign big deals, think they've got to come in and prove that they're worth every dollar every day they're here. And... Um, once they realize they don't have to do that and just be part of the team and help everybody get better, I think that, like a guy like Andre Secker, who's been so good this year, I think that once they settle down and realize I don't have to prove to everybody I'm worth $6 million, I think they become better players. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's just human nature when you're the one of the prize guys in the offseason. You want to live up yeah. to that, right? And sometimes yeah. guys try to step out of their comfort zone maybe for lack of a better term they try to think okay I gotta increase everything I do by 20% and that's yeah. hard to do in the NHL I mean he was signed because of what he has done in the past he wasn't signed to turn into a, a 50 goal score he was signed for the 25 goals and the 30 assists right and and, uh, and the forechecking and the presence that he brings so yeah he'll be an interesting one mo- moving forward that, that whole left don't... sorry Drew go ahead I was going to say, I think what people don't understand about Milan is uh, he does have that uh, presence and that kind of that permanent frown when he's on the ice. And you, you think you get a sense of what the guy's like. Um, you know, we, we spoke about Daryl Sutter. Daryl coached him last year, and he and Milan are really close. Uh, Daryl will go on and on about Milan and his personality and his character and how he helps other players on the team and the, his presence in the in the room. Um and when you get a chance to talk to him, he's, he's, he's not a guy that's gregarious or outgoing. He is a guy that uh, internalizes a lot of things. But when you get a chance to talk to him, you realize there's more to this guy than just being a hockey player. And he is pretty smart about the league and about the players in the league. And he cares deeply. So um, I'm not concerned about Milan Lucci's lack of offensive productivity because I think more can be read into the Oilers' success so far this year, and the success I'm using quotation marks, but the Oilers... Um, well, the growth. Being, yeah, their growth, and a lot of that has to do with 27. 
Well, and, and I like what you bring up about how there, there's more to them and we don't see what's going on in, in the room and maybe some of that intelligence or, or just that well-rounded personality. And Rob and I talk about this, and, and that's what fascinates me because you got 23 players and, you know, four or five coaches and then plus all the call-ups and guys being shuttled in and out throughout the season. And that has to work day-to-day more often than not for a team to be successful. And... You know, Peter Shirelli has to look at these guys as his employees, right? And I, I'm starting to think you are employ. You're not employing hockey players. You're employing people who happen to be really good at hockey. And I look at Zach Cassian rewarded with a with a second chance after some of the things he went through. Uh, Mark Letestu, a guy who has always been uh, the underdog. You know, Adam Larson, who just seems to have a steady personality. And you mentioned Lucic, and that's the, the interesting vibe around the team for me this year. E- even Maroon, how level-headed he remains, whether it's high, high or low. And, and I, I and, you know, as a coach, you as a guy who coached Drew, you would you would know that too. What what is the mix of personalities? How will that translate into what happens on the ice every night? Well, you talk. You know, we, we we talked about that second year with the Sharks where we lost 71 games. That was an NHL record. Another NHL record was set the next year by that same team with different players. Um, and I was still coaching on that team, assistant coach on that team, where we had the biggest improvement from one season to the next and made the playoffs, beat Detroit in the first round and came within a crossbar of beating Toronto um, when Toronto was in the West. The... You, you get to a point where a new coaching staff came in. I was I was held over by Kevin Constantine, and what had happened is we brought veteran guys in. You brought in we brought in in San Jose Igor Lariano, Sergey Makarov, Todd Ellick, Sean Cronin, Bob Airy, Gaetan Duchesne, Jamie Baker. So we brought in a lot of veteran guys, which Peter has done. We brought in the bigger guys, which Peter has done. We brought in guys that had worked their tail off to continue just to stick in the National Hockey League. We gave some guys some some second chances, um, which Peter has done. And what happens is, and once as, as a coaching staff, if you can get that, that boulder pushed to the top of the mountain, or at least partway, these guys take over because that competitive edge in them, their, their intelligence, their experience, it starts to take over in, in a player. One thing we do know about these guys is they're extremely competitive, and they know when they've got a chance to win, and you will see what they can do when they've, when they've got their, their feet in the water. So what happened with the Sharks, and I think you're seeing it with, with the Oilers, what happened with the Sharks is they started to play with, for each other, not with each other. And you're starting to see that. And it takes Patrick Maroon, Adam Larson, Mark Letestu, Matt Hendricks, Zach Cassian, Milan Lucic, it takes those guys that have been around, have been through a lot in their life, have been through a lot in their career to kind of help bring those guys together. And then once you start winning with guys like that, they will bust their rear end to not let you down. They don't, it's not about letting the coach down, letting the general manager down. It's about, I'm not going to let the guy I'm sitting beside right here, the guy I'm looking across from in my room, I'm not going to let him down. And when they start playing for each other, boy, that's a fun thing to watch. Yeah, well said. And and you know what? A couple of guys who played for the Oilers in 2006 have told me that that you yeah. you, you didn't want to be you didn't want to be the one guy who didn't take a hit to chip the puck out three feet inside your blue line, right? That that was the mentality of that yeah. team, and that's that's why they rolled along. 
Drew, great to have you back on the show, buddy. It's been too long. I always appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy your NHL watching tonight, and of course, I'll see you at the rink in the morning, man. You got it, Reed. Good talking to you. Drew Amenda from Sportsnet checking in. Always love to have him on the show. Uh, obviously, a longtime broadcaster in San Jose and Edmonton, and yes, a uh, former assistant coach with the San Jose Sharks back in their early days. Got a couple of texts I want to get to about Lucic at 6:30, 6:30. It's Inside Sports on 6:30, Chet. This is Oscar Cleft from from your Edmonton Oiler, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chad. So yeah, as Drew and I were talking about Stars leading the Rangers 7-3 after two. Your scoreboard for Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. Visit crystalglass.ca. Blue Jackets up 4-1 on Carolina after two in the second period. Toronto leading the Maple Leafs, or Toronto leading the Maple Leafs. Toronto leading the Sabers 3-2. After one, Blues and Senators 1-1. The Wild lead the Devils 1-0 after the first four games still to come, including the Panthers and the Flames. Some text to 630-630. Yakushev says, how has Lucic protected McDavid? And I don't want to hear just his presence adds protection. How many fights has he had this year? How many penalty minutes does he even have? He was given all the opportunity at the start of the year because Shirelli made the deal and he wanted to make it look like a great acquisition. Uh, he has two fights this year, Yakushev. Another texter says, Do you really think other hockey players are scared of Lucic? I played for a lot of years, and my teams didn't part the water for anyone. Other teams have guys who would love to take him on. I think he comes alive closer to the playoffs. It'll come for him. That's another text to 630-630. Quite frankly, I do think some hockey players are scared of Lucic. I, I do think there's intimidation in the NHL. I, I don't think a lot of players are intimidated once you reach that level, but but I do think it still factors into the game. I, I, I really do. Uh, I still think that's part of the game for sure. Um, and quite frankly, Yakushev, I don't care if you don't want to hear that just his presence adds protection because it's true, and I think you are ignoring the truth if you don't want to acknowledge that. You don't have to agree with me, but I think you are flat-out wrong. It's 6.57. We're going to catch up with uh, Dion Lacey. Great couple of years for the Edmonton Eskimos, now trying his hand with the Miami Dolphins. That's all ahead. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. 6.30, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.